Welcome, everybody. I'm Claude McGrath. I'm here with Paul O'Byrne, and together we're your hosts of the Plainly Queer podcast, uh, where plainly queer individuals explore, discuss, and celebrate our beautiful, diverse community. Paul, it's Pride. Yes, it's, it's well, it's the end of Pride. <laughs> it's it is like, the end of it, Pride, but... It's the end of Pride Month, so I suppose, yes, it's the end of Pride Month. I liked your introduction. It was Thank very, you. like, yeah, it's very, like, we have a... We have we know an what eth- we're doing. We have an ethos. We know what we're doing. Yeah, it's not just like welcome to the Plainly Queer podcast. You put a little something extra in there, a little bit of spice. I liked it. It was nice. Surprise every now and then. Yeah, exactly. It's good. Wait, you got to keep. We got to keep up the standard. That's... And we got to keep it fresh between us as well. We don't want to go stale. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like all my other relationships in life, I, <laughs> I, I, I just have. Yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it fresh. No, yeah. So how pride- are you doing? I'm I'm good. It's been a very interesting Pride Month. It's very been a very full Pride Month, but not of Pride things, mm-hmm. of just kind of life things, but things to be proud of. So I suppose I'm really tapping into that kind of that sense of actually being proud in myself, which yes. I don't I don't usually do. I don't usually champion myself, but I'm actually okay. feeling a little bit kind of yeah. I'm feeling a little bit I think proud of myself, which is good for accomplishments. So it's nice to recognize that. How are, how are you at this, the end of this Pride Month? I am doing good, yeah. I think I've had a pretty good month. It's been it's been a lot of play this this month as well, not just all work. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And our, our guests this month, because we have guests on the podcast this month, are really exciting me. Mm-hmm. And I've loved talking about all things queer. And I've learned loads this month. So yeah, really enjoying. Okay. What does Pride mean for you? It does fine. It do you know what? That is an ongoing thing for me. Yeah. So, but don't make it, it about the community because we're we're we we've discussed a lot about others in the community. What does pride mean for you? What is it for you? How has it felt for you? That's what I'm saying. It's it's a developing thing. I you know, know you were saying that, but I just wanted to make sure you didn't go back to kind of others because you're so selfless like that. Uh, You'll deflect to uh, others. I think. The, as I said, yeah, developing things. So as I was, I was never not proud of being gay. I was never not proud of being a part of the queer community. However, I was wary in certain spaces and I probably hid that from certain people, in certain spaces. So my, in the last year, since probably coming on and doing the podcast with you, I've really stepped into it. Mm. I really, what's the word I'm looking for? embraced it mm. fully i'm not i i'm having conversations now that i would never have with the people in my life and i i take pride in that i take pride in who i am as a queer person and i take pride in what i can offer i'm not saying i'm i, I am not the best queer out there i am yeah just plain queer but i am proud of what even this podcast has created the conversations it's opened up so pride for me means standing more in yourself fully, owning it, and yeah, taking pride, just taking pride in who you are. So to be as trite as that, yeah. That's or lovely. cliche is that. Yeah. That was my plan, by the way, when I started this podcast with you. My my yeah. aim was that for that to happen for you. We're going to break me out of my shell. Basically, this has been undercover therapy, where you Thank don't you. know it's actually kind of benefiting you. And you yeah, so me. yeah. You will be invoiced accordingly. But <laughs> no bother. So glad you've you've gotten there, and it's been great work. 
So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing me there. I couldn't have done it without you, Paul. Oh, no, and likewise, <laughs> likewise. It's been such a great journey and especially like that, we, we've developed. And yeah. What is it like for you? Yeah, I, I suppose from the conversations we've had and everything like that, anger came up a lot for me. And I think that yeah. it's highlighting this year for me in relation to Pride and over this whole Pride month, just like tapping into that, uh, that anger, but in a positive way through like activism and through things like recording this podcast and kind of putting a voice to something that needs to be said. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it is for me this year. It's a bit of kind of like leaning more into that Pride is protest. And mm. yes, I, I feel proud in myself and, but like, the world at the moment is a bit yeah you got you got to kind of highlight that you kind of kind of put a voice to that a voice of protest to it so yeah that's what's kind of invoking for me this year i think yeah and also yeah yeah. also this amazing journey of making this with you yes thanks well dropping that in at the end (laughs) Uh, i think yeah a few people have talked to this month and and going back to what you said about the protest that the job isn't done there isn't equality. There's a lot more than there has been, surely. But uh, we need to keep showing up. We need to keep having conversations. We need to keep protesting. And we see uh, hurt in our community. Go on. Eva, it's, I love when you, you can see now that I have something to kind of like, you're like, oh, he's going to interject. And what's coming up for me as you're saying that is I'm even saying to myself, I'm getting a sense, oh God, am I... Are we are we like on soapboxes? Are we using this podcast yeah. as a soapbox? And maybe like, are people going to be like, oh God, they keep harping on about there's no equality and all this sort of stuff. And getting getting that sense that, oh, I should pull back from this because mm-hmm. I shouldn't complain. I shouldn't say things should be better. I should be grateful for how it is. And how, how internalized homophobia is that? Ouch. It's just like, yeah, that kind of way. It's like, yeah. I'm checking myself nearly. And going, yeah. how, how is this going to be perceived by the majority that, like, yeah. we're here to just nagging queers that are just kind of always rah, 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 equal rights and equality and all that yeah. sort of stuff. How dare I, we? Yeah, how dare we, Matt? I know. No, it does. Sometimes I, when I have question going, who am I to be having the conversations? <laughs> who am I to think of starting a podcast and calling it what it's called and having opinions on these things? Because I haven't. I haven't been, while I'm fiercely proud and fiercely, I would stand up for anybody. It doesn't even have to be in the queer community, but we're talking about queer community. Um, I am, I do have this thing of going, you're not really that great a gay. So like, what the hell are you talking about? There's more, there's better people out there with better voices that have gone through far more that should be here. Mm. But then it's like every, everybody gets to have a, a voice. Like everyone like, can have a podcast, basically. You everyone is own. getting a podcast. I mean, yeah, that's the thing to do now. It's just like start a podcast. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I I I'm with you on that one. It's a hard one to manage at times, but do you know what I I I enjoy the conversations just with you. I enjoy the conversations when there are guests coming on. I feel really fulfilled by them. So as long as I am doing that, I, I'm not hurting anybody. So I'm going to keep doing it. And anybody that doesn't like it, they can turn off. That's fine. Exactly. But yeah. before you turn off, just do finish the episode or have it playing yeah. in the background. Like and so subscribe. It register. Yeah. It does register <laughs> that it's been listened to. 
It helps yeah. the numbers. Much appreciated. Yeah. So we welcome all, even the haters, but just please do yeah. finish the episode. Mute it and put it on in the background. At least then it registers. So we do appreciate that from all our haters. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's important as well to highlight we are two therapists. Uh, yeah. So we do have therapy practices. We are both therapists that work with Insight Matters. And Insight Matters is a queer-affirming therapy space based in Dublin 1 on Capel Street, the gayest street in the world. And I suppose, yeah, our guests are Anne-Marie Toole and Dil Vikaramasinghe, who are the co-founders of Insight Matters. And just, uh, yeah, they're two really unique and they've, they've, They've really, yeah, how have they, like, I've, they've impacted me. No, mm-hmm. impacted, influenced. Oh, well, how, I don't know how to inspired. Explain. Thank you. Cut <laughs> yeah. out the other word. Yeah, we we'll just go straight to inspired. Yeah, they've just kind of been really good role models for me. I think that's, that's the better thing to say. They've been really good role models for me over the years as I've developed into a professional especially in a queer affirming place. So I really They're very generous with their time and generous with mm. their wisdom. Yeah. It's so... it is we I know we've touched on queer joy a lot. People listening are probably shut up about queer joy. But that actually that's where my, in the sense of my queer joy comes from. Having them giving their time and engaging with community. that and benefiting with that. Yeah. Giving to that community. So yeah. Sorry, do you want to speak to something? No, I'll I'll just echo that. It's been, I think it was 2019, just before the pandemic hit, and I joined the practice. And I remember when I went in to interview with Anne-Marie, I'm feeling, I walked out of there going, huh, there's something to this. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know because there was something special about the conversation. And it was so genuine. It was so open. And Anne-Marie is just like that in general anyway. Mm. Uh, and then when I met Dale, it, it just continued. And the, the, the tribe that they created, as they call it, it was just so open and welcoming. And again, talk about a wealth of knowledge. The, the therapists that are there are so, the variety in, where, in, in what they practice in, there's a wealth of knowledge just at the end of the text. And that has been invaluable to me. And I was delighted that they agreed to come on the podcast because I think it was really, like, I felt it was really an important conversation. We talked about mental health. We talked about uh, queer parenting. We talked about polyamory. We talked about, there's a whole host of really important conversations within their conversation with the two of them. So I was, I was thrilled to have, to have the two of them on this week. Yeah, we're very grateful for them taking the time. But thank you for bearing with us through this. This is our interview with Anne-Marie Toole and Dil Vikramasinghe from Insight Matters. Please do enjoy. Thank you for listening. And we hope that you got to experience Pride this month in a positive way and that, yeah, it was what it needed to be for you, wherever you are in the world and how you experience Pride. Enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, you're very welcome to another episode of the Plainly Queer podcast. Today we have two very special guests with us on the episode. We have Anne-Marie Toole and Dil Vikramasinghe, both pioneers in queer affirming therapy here in Ireland and beyond. 
Anne-Marie is a psychotherapist, clinical director and co-founder of Insight Matters, and Dill is a journalist, broadcaster, psychotherapist, and also the co-founder of Insight Matters. You're both very welcome, and thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah. So, I was thinking about, uh, where's my barrel top wagon? You and me on a, on a, on a, on a, on a wagon. That's amazing. Sounds great. Yeah. But I love that image of pioneer as in like you're going into this brave new world and you're kind of just like going forward into the unknown, taking those brave steps that no one has taken before. And that's what comes up to me with the word pioneer. So, yeah, that's where that came from. Yeah, I do. I do think in the sense that because we both had the, the experience of being attending therapy and 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 having bad therapy, there's nothing worse. And bad therapy, and in, in in my case anyway, for sure, I was attending bad therapy that was queer affirming, and then it was just how Amri and I met, and that was one of the first conversations we had together. That oh my goodness, we both had this experience of bad non queer affirming therapy, and maybe could we could we do something about it? And then Amri was just in the process of qualifying, and then just things things took a life of its own. I I don't think we consciously set out back in 2012 to go, we are going to set up a queer affirming therapy center. It, it kind of like you, you were quali- you, you just qualified, you, you setting up your private practice and then it kind of evolved. What, what do you think? I think the evolution bit is, is absolutely accurate because really we just, we set up and then we just did, it wasn't a question of let's go and, and we never consciously said, let's go and, 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 and get people to join us. It never happened like that. People came to us. And I really, really like that. And I, I think the same thing still happens today. I think the, the therapists who are drawn to work with us, they are, they are just that. They're drawn to us. Something in what we offer, in what the space offers, in what the, now the collective energy the, of, of the center offers, it draws certain practitioners to us. And then it draws certain clients to us. And that has absolutely beautifully, with I'd say, Dylan, unconscious intentioned energy for it to be a queer affirming space. I think it became the consciousness of that certainly arrived for me when it was like, because creating space as a psychotherapist, as a deeply relational individual, it's always been about creating space and the many, many different ways we can do that. And then just in the more recent, probably again, just consciousness obviously arrives in layers. The more recent bit has just been this absolute, real, powerful mammoth connection to the queer affirming space. How, and how deeply important is that to us? And it has just, again, it has emerged and evolved deeply, beautifully amongst Dylan and I, and then amongst the, the, the incredible practitioners in the center. That would be my sense of it. But definitely the scale is excellent because when we, I, unconsciously, we wanted to provide something that we never got. You know, we wanted to create a space that was queer for me. That's for sure. I don't know whether we set out and thought that we were going to reach this scale to, to still, when I say the words, over a hundred therapists. I'm like, what? What now? Because yeah. because Amory was the the therapist, the original therapist. I was the one who was sending a couple of tweets and 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 literally talk, talk, talking about inside matters to anyone, any poor soul that happened to cross paths with me, much to their to their to their to their boredom. And it just it just grew and grew and grew. And I was like, I don't know whether we we really knew that there, like we knew there would be a need. But I don't know. I personally didn't feel that there would have been such an, a need. And, and then people from 
outside the queer community felt so welcome in the space. It kind of makes sense now. If a place is, is welcome, welcoming towards people who are queer, to people who are migrant, people who have been othered all their life, then surely it's going to be very welcoming for, for people who, who are from outside that community. Just as you're speaking there, Dill and Amory, what's coming up for me is like Insight Matters has poised itself at the center of intersectionality in, in Ireland and in Dublin. It's like this grand central station of all these different intersectionalities. And that's, that's amazing. And that's why it's grown. It's like this hub for all these connections, all these relationships that are just so nurturing and affirming. And that going out there into the world and having a positive effect. I think that's amazing. That, that's really interesting On to board. say that. Sorry. Yeah, true. When I speak to new therapists joining us, or say, say we have a, a new student coming in and, and they want to see, we want to see, and they want to see if they're going to do their placement here with us, or indeed uh, an already practicing therapist or, or holistic practitioner. Invariably, I always talk about what, what connects the therapists who come here. And for me, it's all about the real, I think anyone who actually wants to work here, whether they're in the community or not, it's actually a deeper connection to, to the true diversity that lives within us yeah. at a core of our being. I th- and, and I think you've put some really, really beautiful, helpful, more distinctive words on that for me when you talk about the intersectionality. I think that's absolutely stunning. And I think that encapsulates us really, really well. I think it is that because there has to be space for all. And that's that more inclusive, expansive, wide-reaching, connected piece. Love it. It's it's Mm -hmm. saying equality for one means equality for all. Yes, exactly. That that is inclusive for one group, as in the most vulnerable, the the one that is most at risk of uh, discrimination and prejudice. Surely everyone else will also benefit from that. And and that that reminds me of actually all, all the reasonable accommodations that we as employers are meant to do for people who, are, who have disabilities to feel that they can also take a full participatory role in, 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 in society. But there's certain things that we have done for people with disabilities that have benefited the rest of us, such as ramps. Ramps not only help wheelchair users, but they help parents with buggies. Electric toothbrushes were invented to assist people uh, with mobility issues to brush their teeth. And guess what? Everybody is brushing toothbrushes. The remote control, the bane of our life, because when we, when we lose it, cre- created again for a person who can't get up to change the channel. And now we're all, we're all couch potatoes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. When you, when you break it down, uh, equality for one is equality for all. And I think, I think there's a lot of us that I, I certainly, when I joined the culture that you created, I have not, I, I haven't come across it before then. I haven't come across it since. And it is something that welcomes just everybody. And it's, it's such a testament to you guys. What is the vision then that you have? As you say, you, you didn't quite see it getting to, what's number 105 therapists? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's about 105, yeah. Yeah. So what's the vision now? So, I mean, the sky is the limit. Well, for, for us, one thing physically, people have said to us, would you not consider setting up a center in Cork or Galway or Limerick and other centers have done that. Other centers have definitely done that. And I know physically after this is our third, third physical center. We were in Cavendish Road, up of O'Connell Street, and we went to Boundary Square. 
and and then finally we are, we arrived here. So we went from three rooms to four rooms to five rooms to fifteen rooms. And I think this, there was something about this space when I I, I decorated, I lovingly decorated the fifteenth room. I remember <laughs> there was something in me that said, "I'm done now. I know how to decorate more rooms." So so. But, but that's how I felt then. So there, there has, Amri and I have talked about bringing the services of Inside Matters beyond the the shores of Ireland. And, and we're doing that now because we're seeing clients internationally. And my dream is always to be able to provide our services in countries where it's still gay, to, it's still illegal to be gay, such as my own country, Sri Lanka. And I'm doing that now. I am now seeing clients in Sri Lanka. And that is something that's just, just starting. And Hopefully that it'll grow, and I think uh, there's many of our therapists who are who are to seeing clients outside of outside of Ireland. So so maybe we, that that's kind of I think where we're going. But setting up another physical center, I I don't think it's in me. Every is it in you? I I think I think because the inset matters definitely was always our first baby. Mm-hmm. We we have two kids. We have Phoenix and Xavier, but the center... and, and we have Polly now, so we have no time for anything else. We are biggering the family. We have heard that, that Dr. Sue's story with the with the Lorax, which goes, which talks about how how a person who is quite greedy and end up creating a factory and then cutting down all these trees, all for the sake of biggering and biggering. Okay. And it, I think with the center, it's like okay, I'm done. I'm done biggering from that perspective. But then now we started biggering a family, making it big. I, I don't. I don't know what we've done with the center. I I, I think we also it's have physical, a physical. Well, no, physically, we have capacity potentially for two more rooms here. We yeah. we could we could go down that road with our with our fantastic building owner. We could we could explore that. I I know for me the the evolution in terms of our size. We, I and Dill have deep passion for supporting new therapists. We've deep deep passion for that. There's a major gap in that space from a therapist immediately coming out of qualification. Kind of looking around and kind of going, what do I do now? And I think that's where a center can really come into its own and saying, what? You do need support um, during this particular time. Come in and lean on us a little bit while you gather yourself for that first couple of years and do it in community, do it in relationship with the center and have that feeling. And I know for me, in terms of how the size happened, when I meet somebody that I really want to work with, you create the space. So there's yeah. nothing to say that that won't continue to happen when you meet the right therapist and you're saying, do you what? I think there's a real synchronicity here. That's still an incredibly exciting feeling. Because when I meet, when I meet somebody in the room, I can feel the work that's going to take place in the future through how this therapist and I are, are chatting and engaging. That's extremely important. And I, I love always having that. And I don't know, can I ever see myself closing my doors to that? Because it's, 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 it's incredibly fun and vibrant. And it's also still growth. And you want yeah. that. You want, you want energy, continued energy in the building. I think sometimes what could happen, perhaps, in private practices of any size, sometimes when the energy, perhaps from the, the, the people running it or the people behind it, sometimes you can feel that energy has maybe gone a bit tired or gone maybe a little bit stale or a little bit. That's the exact opposite of what I want. And that's what we intentioned when we grew. We said, if we're going to grow, and at one point we were two buildings at the very same time. We said, if we're going to grow, everything that holds us and everything that we value and, and is part of our mission, we can't lose that in the, in, the, in, the, in the expansion. We can't lose that really connected piece, which can happen. And then it was in that two building experience that Dylan and I learned we like our baby in one place. 
So that's mm. just big to that point. We, we won't, are very unlikely to travel to another part of Ireland, but to go abroad where the, where the support is needed for our community, for queer communities abroad. Italy is on our cards as well. We have a lot of work to do in Italy in terms of a more holistic, a more, a more holistic approach to psychotherapy and a more holistic approach to health. We have a seriously, seriously medicalized culture in Italy around mental health. I firmly believe we've work to do. We have important contribution to make there. We have a personal connection to Italy through Dill, Dill's sister and Dill's family. So we, we have work to do there, I think. And then as Dill said, Sri Lanka. That's, a, yeah. that's vibrant, necessary, passionate, important work that we can, we can, we can, we can add to, I think. I was just going to say, you, you, you have such a broad overview, especially in an Irish context, but also in an international context now, it seems as well. And speaking to intersectionality as well, what do you see then, uh, you know, the challenges in, in mental health at the moment and maybe queer mental health? So on, a, on an Irish perspective, things are changing, maybe not for the better. Some are brilliant, but um, I suppose with the, with the UK and America, everybody seems to be catching a cold off them. And I'm just wondering, is that coming through in, in how you see mental health? Is there changes coming about? Is there trends of what's coming into the rooms um, of what's, what's challenging people at the moment uh, through their mental health? And you, you're talking from an international perspective. Anything that you see. So you like from, from my perspective, I can only work with what's, what's in, in, in my rooms, but you have a broader base to be able to see what's happening in the world, I suppose. Is there well, anything you see that's different? Well, the, the, I think there it's Ireland is what the issues that we have in Ireland are, are also present internationally because we are all, we are, we are living in a global village. <laughs> we are all very much connected and things that are happening in the U.S. that are affecting the queer community is, is having ripple effects here. And then, and then obviously in Ireland itself, the, the, the fight is not done. We, we, I mean, yeah. community still is very much this year in, in particular. It just feels very poignant because it, it, it's like I feel for for a while Pride took a took a bit of a wrong turn and went down. Let's celebrate and let's bring on every corporate on board to 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 sponsor us and kind of maybe forgot its original message of protest where this year I feel everyone is very much aligned because of what, what has happened in the recent past and it's continuing to happen in relation to our communal safety. We don't feel safe as a community in Ireland anymore. And, and that is, and that has really brought the community together to go to reevaluate and, and, and establish, I suppose, a path forward. This is no celebration is wonderful. But we still have to go back to basics here, go back to making sure that people in our community feel safe. And so, so while that is happening, in some ways, I feel it, it helps our communities here to connect with communities like the one in Sri Lanka or in Iran or Afghanistan, where, where safety never happened, it is yet to happen. And so in, in some ways, I feel we are still, it's like it's, it's we're back, we're back and forth. It's, it's, it's like, it's not linear. A path to creating a world that is accepting for the entire global LGBTQI community is, 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 is not linear. There's that we're going up and down. There are moments where we feel, oh, we, we are the tide has turned and we are doing great. And now suddenly we're like, oh, I don't know whether the tide has turned. Now are we going back to 
to where we, we were a few, maybe 10, 20 years ago. So it, I, 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 it's, all, it's all connected. And I think when, when things happen in the, in the West, the East very much take, take, are impacted by it as well. So, we, so that I feel the trends are quite similar, even though it, it might not be as extreme in relation to how, say, an LGBTQI plus person in Ireland would feel around coming out or around being able to walk down the street holding hands with a partner. But elements of it are still very much present. If it's okay, I'm going to segue from kind of Insight Matters, which is what you've nurtured and created together and what has grown, to yourselves personally. Um, I'd like to speak to the non-monogamous elephant in the room, if that's okay. No, you actually actually don't have to talk about it. But what I am going to recognize is that you've had a very kind of long, fulfilling relationship together. 13 years, would that be correct? 14 14 years. 14 years. So my question to you is, what, what is your advice for queer individuals who are in kind of long-term relationships together? What are, your, what are your secrets to a kind of fulfilling relationship? Run! Don't do it! That kind of relationship that you've had, what are your, what are your secrets? I can't make one work. So, Paul, are you asking what's the, what, what, uh, just even, even in our, in our monogamous time, what, what was our kind of like, what connected us? Or are you talking about the recent move into what inspired us towards, towards ethical non-monogamy? Yeah, I want to look at the overall. I don't want to focus on any one kind of type of relationship, the monogamy or the, just overall as human beings, as queer individuals who have experienced your relationship together. What, what is your advice for other queer individuals? Okay. I think, and, and I think the one word, what worked, yeah. And I think, I think I may, I may, I may segue this back to your other question about some of the, the vulnerabilities in our healthcare service provision to queer individuals. There may be a segue back to this because I think it's all linked. Yeah. So for me, sexuality, our connection to it is, it, it's, it's, we, we all have the, we all need, I feel, and we have the right to free, connected, safe space to explore that, right? That's an incredibly important part of our of our growing up experience. We've experienced that with our with our second born, who was born female, and at age three came to us and said, "Was at age three came to yeah. us and said, Mommy and Mama, I'm a boy.' So we we experienced this is Xavier, our mm. our, our our youngest. So we experienced. At a very young age, a child's absolutely beautiful, necessary, spacious, but their 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 fluid process, and in terms of what they were experiencing as their felt identity, in terms of who they were in this world, right? That could be. It, it makes sense that Xavier would feel a safety to do that in a queer family, very very deeply connected to queer culture, right? Every child has the right to have space to do that. Right. The difficulty in a child and not having space to do that is that this really essential part of them has to be shut down. If they don't have relational safety and safety in their environment, how can they possibly at that young dependent age connect with themselves? To go back to your more your, your, specifically to your question, it's the same with our sexual identity, our sexuality, our experience of ourselves as sexual beings in this world. So then we kind of come to ourselves as adults now. Adults saying, hey, who am I in this way? Have I deeply explored my, my, my sexuality outside and including my identity? 
because it is significantly more than how we identify who we are attracted to. It feeds so, it, it dances so beautifully with our sensuality. Sensuality connects us with who we are, what we need in our body, our loves, our tastes, our desires, what we want to say no to. It brings up extremely important things around consent and boundaries. Who am I in this world and how do I connect with that? So if somebody in our community and outside is thinking about exploring this for themselves, be they with one partner or considering multiple partners, that core anchor is themselves. Mm. And to be really, really spacious and open in terms of how they move to connect with themselves. Because quite likely, if, it's, if it is a member of our community, quite likely there will probably be an element of disconnect there. Maybe even, even an element on the continuum of trauma. Because that's what happens us as queer individuals trying to develop and nurture this part of ourselves in our current world. We don't get we we don't get we don't get the luxury of safe passage as a given throughout that journey, which means we're going to meet roadblocks along the way as adults when we go to connect with that part of ourselves. And the reality of trying to connect with another and there's loads of ways people do it. We're all doing it in very, very different ways. These days we're doing it through the apps. We're doing it through through meetings, we're meetups, we're doing it loads of ways. The real openness to that in our world today is really helpful. There has to be an understanding to connect deeply with another and to do that safely involves connecting deeply with oneself because otherwise we're, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable without that internal connective piece and there's so many ways to do it. There's so many ways to actually do it. Try the one that feels right for you. And, and to bring it to us, because that, that's how I perceive your question around what, what is it about our relationship that has, first of all, made us come together and stay together for 14 years. But I will speak for myself. I feel because of that, I experienced so much disruption in my child development around being in relationship. So, so we, we understand that. That's what therapy is all about, creating that space that a client can heal all the wounds and, and reignite the development, healthy development of relating to another human being. And, uh, and, so, and you do that through another person, don't we? We learn that through the other. And so often many of us didn't get that from our own parents. So I know for myself, I connected with Anne-Marie before I actually connected with myself. Okay. So I, I know within my relationship with Anne-Marie in the last 14 years, there's been a huge growth for me. Over, over time because of that, that, that connection. Primary attachment figure, queen, who is it, who, who your, your partner oh, turns out to be. You marry your mother. <laughs> All right, Freud. <laughs> so, so it's through that 14-year relationship that I have, I have grown and, as, and, and I think we, we have grown together through our relationship and, and, and every, every, at every juncture, there would have been rapids that would have been rupture but there was always we always came back we always mm. came back repaired and we always looked at each other as like okay we've just gone through this massive growth period do we still want to be with each other and the answer always came yes of course we want to be with each other and and for me Can i ask sorry on that do you actually ask each other do you keep coming back because i i know there's there, there is a i don't want to say like a tribe or something where it's like you get married but you get married for a year and every year after that, you come back and you go, how are we doing? Do we still want to do this? Yes. Okay. Let's go for another year. And this continual renewal 
Uh, do you actually do that together? Is it a continual, uh, not assessment, but a continual uh, choice to connect? Well, yeah, we renew every 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 minute. <laughs> <laughs> No, every it's true. It's like I, 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 I think we, we do renew. We check in with each other we, uh, around how how each each other is with it with each other, and we have we have this vision, and we're always continuing to check in. Is it, is this is this what you want to do? Is this what I want to do? Are we are we still are we still good? And I think to speak for the, the last six months, we did this. At, I I know I did at, at at levels that we never done before, which is really important to do before you engage in in transitioning a monogamous relationship into a, a non-monogamous, an ethical, consensual, non-monogamous relationship. Because oftentimes people make this transition, opening their relationship, because of the alternative is too terrifying. Mm. Let's open this relationship because the idea of us splitting up is too terrifying. And that is, that's a recipe for disaster. Because if you're doing that simply because you are really not really happy in that relationship, then there's going to be absolute carnage. But with us, we continually assessed and checked in and checked in and checked in. And that's why we are here where we are. Yeah. What's coming up for me is you're kind of, you frame that so beautifully and from many different perspectives, which is great because it really helps to understand it and frame it. But I suppose our generation, our blueprint of what a relationship should be, a romantic relationship, is rooted in heteronormativity. That is our blueprint. Our blueprint is in us that that's the way it should have been. So there's no kind of, we're creating our own blueprint now for our relationships, for our romantic relationships. We have the power and the ability to do that. And it's like that. It's checking in. It's kind of taking those brave steps towards yourself and towards kind of what's going to be better for yourself and the individual or the individuals you're in the relationship with. So I think it's making our own blueprints now. It's stop following the ones from the past because they are not serving us well. It's to go forward, create your own blueprint that is unique to you and the people surrounding you. When Dylan and I met, one of the first things we said to each other is we, we, as the relationship came together, we said there was various bits in that starting process that plenty of people around us sort of said, not a good idea for this reason, for that reason. You're not going to last. A couple of reasons. <laughs> over there. We, we, we heard a bit of that and we did. Really, really early on and just absolutely beautifully, we said, try the rule book. Yeah. And really, interesting. I, think, I think over the years, we've, we've, we've thrown out the rule book a number of times, but that was a big one. Six months ago in the move to ethical, consensual, non-monogamy was another big one. But I remember speaking to Dim during a particular, particularly tough rapid, because absolutely it'll, it'll bring you into the... It, it brought me into the core of who I am in relationship with Dill and with myself to go, what's working here? What's not working? You've got to be willing to go there and hang around for what happens in that. But in one of those particularly difficult moments, I looked across the table at Dill and I said, we were kind of, we weren't, we weren't quite meeting on something. And I just looked at her and said, you don't get it. There's nowhere you and I can't go because mm. I just absolutely trust you from one soul to another. I said, there's nowhere you and I cannot go together. And I know without question, it was a soulful, conscious choice to connect with Dale in my life. And, and, and it worked from there. The other piece is a really, really deeply important part of my life journey and most essentially my relationship journey at this part of my life right now is lightness and joy. It has to be lightness and joy. And I say that 
because for a greater, for a big part of my life, there wasn't in relationship. There was around me. I could feel it, but not in relationship because I deeply, deeply struggled in relationship. This thing that I absolutely adore. I adore it. It's how I, the passion I have, the craft that I feel it is when we go in, when we are in relationship with our client craft, what, what, what happens in those rooms. And I love it outside of therapy, but it wasn't happening for me. That level of joy in personal relationships was not happening. And then this beautiful shift happened and Dylan met me in this incredible place six months ago. And look, what, look what's here after all of that at work, lightness, joy. And basically the check-ins, you know, the, the check-ins are, how's the energy? How's the energy, Dylan? Well, what's our energy like today? Are we, are we feeling this right? What's the energy of the kids? Are we, are, we, are we making good decisions? Am I missing something here? I want to read the energy here. Mm. We just take time with each other, give each other space, give ourselves space with the energy. So it's mm. a light check-in after hard yeah. work. After hard work, sure, but the lightness is here now. That's the, that's the bit that's really important as well. I suppose a follow-up question. You being therapists, you both being therapists, has that helped or has that hindered? It's helped. I mean, I, there's been a huge shift, hasn't it? Because I, I wasn't a therapist at the sad of all of this, right? Yeah. I was a journalist. I was a workplace trainer and who had uh, some awareness around mental health. And, um, and then you can't beat them, you join them. Yeah, but interestingly, and this is not, this is not accidental, neither of our respective partners are psychotherapists. When, when do you become psychotherapist? When you start training at the end of your training, halfway through training, at the end of the training? But there was a, there was a mass, massive shift and that, that played a big part as well. Because I remember when I, when I went into the training, when you do your training, look, they tell you, just to this, this, this help, this training should come with some uh, it's a health warnings. If you're in a relationship now, at the end of the training, you might not be in the relationship anymore. You might be sitting there thinking you're straight. It's at the, at the end of the training, you realize you're gay. Uh, that was me. Yeah. That was me. It was part of my training. <laughs> that came out in the middle of a training because she, she, she yeah. connected with the sexuality. But so, so we, we went into my, my training going, oh, she's, she, she, I hope I'm ready. We're still going to be together. Oh, I told you. I was, I was kind of going, oh, here we go. <laughs> that I've really been hoping to. This, this is absolute fact because I knew there was stuff there on my side. I was like, he's not, he's not aware of it yet. I knew it was there. And she was like, oh, it's all coming out. Josh, totally. It told nowhere to hide. I was like, circles. I didn't get away, to be fair. I've never gotten away with anything. It's always extremely, whatever that is out of traditional roles and relationships, any template, any any construct of those has always been chucked out the window since day one, but most especially since the training started. So we went through our whole journey there. So that that was fun. But yeah, so it has helped. I have to say that because from a, helped us from a relationship point of view, from a parenting point of view, I feel I'm a better human being. Because of it, and the, definitely the transition into the, the to being polyamorous, I think the fact that we are psychotherapists uh, give, give us a huge advantage uh, because you have to have a capacity to become be aware of your needs in the moment, in real time, then be able to express them to the uh, to the other person or the other people in real time. I mean, that is a huge, huge. No, no, like I remember years ago, I I wouldn't have known my needs up until a few weeks later they were taking me months to actually even bring up those needs to the person so where in this situation is like literally because we're psychotherapists we're so so constantly working on being self-aware 
you are aware of it in the moment and in real time you you ask for them and boom it's either done or negotiated or not done. that's 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 the real key the market's about to be saturated with people becoming therapists now because it just it's probably cheaper than relationship therapy just become a therapist <laughs> yourself it's actually yeah. probably not i suppose we've kind of mentioned the word pioneers mentors just kind of like amazing queer individuals that have accomplished a lot but i want to bring it back to phoenix and xavier if i can your experiences of being parents and queer parenting and what has your experience of that been if you don't mind touching on that briefly or as long as you want both both our children are unquestionably an goodness an absolute gift but even even in the nature of how we decided to bring children into the world. Dill carried Phoenix. I carried Xavier. There's huge attachment stuff in that for, for a couple. The non-carrying partner, for the carrying partner. There's incredible stuff that, that is there and that that brings up. Even that was a huge gift. I always describe Phoenix as my teacher and Xavier as my guide. They each hold very, very different roles for me in terms of what they have chosen to, to teach me and bring to me in their decision to come into, into, into my world in the way that they did. In terms of queer parenting, uh, on, a more, on a more tangible go-to level, Xavier, the experience I described with his gender fluid journey and identity, the, the stunning and the sublime of that w- was incredible. And it really brought back to us as, as parents where just that incredibly protective, at times extremely fearful instinct that we have and, and that great, great need to protect our children but on that front with Xavier from moment one, and it's, it, it remains to this day, the deep, deep trust that I have in him. Xavier is a child who brought that to us at the, at the time that was, that was right for him. And at times, and this is why I absolutely adore it. I talk to, parents, I talk to other parents about this. It's so important to let our children push boundaries, to push us. Within the remit of, of course, this frustration for the parent, I understand that, I've experienced that. I, I'm it's not so sure about that, it is. but it does bite you in the ass. It, of course it bites you in the ass, and you're not always able to meet it. I can't always meet it, but my word, do I admire it. Because they're not really, they're not put, it's not about them pushing boundaries with us. They're pushing boundaries Authority. towards the world. Yeah. That's what we want in our kids. Because then they're going to do this, 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 this with anything that they encounter in their world that they don't agree with. That's Phoenix. He pushes anything that does not feel right. He's absolutely the social justice advocate, that activist that's in Dill's blood in that way. Push, push, push. That's extremely exciting. Because when they come across, the amount of queer conversations we have, the amount of conversations we have about gender identity, if we don't include something, Xavier would be like, Mommy, you missed that. Why aren't you saying they? And it'll be really like, why aren't you doing it? And it'll just be so natural and so powerful and so wonderful. That's an exciting world. Mm. That's an exciting world. Not because of the world that they're coming into, because of the world that they're co-creating. Every time we do something like that, we push against something, we're creating. We're constantly creating. None of us are passive recipients of our world. We're constant energetic co-creators of it. That's, that's the most exciting part of parenting for me. And then if you bring that into a queer context, head exploding. Yeah. Because I also believe, and just this is back to the healthcare segue point of earlier, sexuality, awareness, training for psychotherapists, deeply inadequate in our current psychotherapy culture, deeply inadequate. Sexuality training, greater awareness, not just benefits community, it benefits everybody. 
that's one of our deepest vulnerabilities in this country. I want every individual in this country to, to be questioning and exploring their sexuality and their gender identity. They are powerful internal conversations and they're absolutely not, not exclusive to us. We actually move them forward by the nature of our innate. If you think about what our community does in that landscape. Uh, and I feel like clapping. <laughs> I feel like just going, yay, preach. Fantastic. Um, I'm reminded of a, of a quote that I came across when Phoenix was born. He's Charles Thoreau. He's like an American abolitionist. Every child, the world begins again. Every child, the world begins again. So, so that's the, the responsibility that I've, I feel every day on my shoulders in relation to my, my responsibility to Phoenix and Xavier in relation to helping them be these incredible kind, compassionate uh, human beings who can go into the world and change the world just by being themselves. I don't want them to feel like they have to be an activist like like myself and having to agitate and be at the front of all the marchers. And just by being themselves, they will change the world. So so so, so they don't have to do anything. They don't have to just, that's it. And it, 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 very interestingly, now again, now in, in with with having transitioned my, into being polyamorous, my my partner Caroline has two children. So now I've I've got four kids. I went from having two kids to four kids. Yeah. So so it's incredible that I actually have now these two new kids that I am creating incredible relationship and attaching. You know, I'm attached to them. They're attached to to me, and they are attached to Phoenix and Xavier. So we have this little tribe uh, of, of little activists. They're all little activists because Caroline was very much parented her, her, her children very similarly to us. So there is no wonder why the four of them get on like a house on fire. So I have huge hope for the future of this world because there's four, four little beings who are going to make big, big contributions. And guess yeah. what? Phoenix absolutely adores your podcast. He will like, mommy, I want to listen to that podcast. I love it. I love it. Phoenix. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Phoenix. Feel free to come on and be a guest. Listen, folks, thank you so much for coming on. I, I feel like that was such a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I have about 10 million other questions, but maybe you'll come back on another time and we can get through them all. Thank love you so much. Love amazing. Thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Paul and Claudia, you guys are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. The more queer therapists out there, Speaking your truth, the the better the, the better the space and the better the world. Echo it's that interface you guys are creating with this podcast. Echo that so very 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 deeply. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. I want to actually leave us on just something that I'm really touched on, and that's light and joy. And let's try and bring yes. in that light and joy in every aspect of life. Thank you so much once again, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Thank you so much to Anne Marie Tool and Dil Vikramasinghe co-founders of Insight Matters and both psychotherapists, thank you for joining us and giving your insights today. We do apologize for the slight audio glitches in certain um, parts of our episode today. That's just what happens when you try and fit four enthusiastically passionate queers into three microphones. We hope you enjoyed it regardless and we look forward to having you again on the Plainly Queer podcast. And remember, We're not obviously different, just plainly queer.